Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Women wrapped up in blankets and they're looking for food. It's the saddest thing I've ever witnessed. Trust is a human emotion. And for some reason, we've embedded trust in social media. I thought about you, but I did get it because you've given us so much airtime. Thank you so much. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. What do we tell you about the weather? It's going to get wicked cold this week. It's going to get awfully cold this week and it was two weeks ago or just under two weeks ago. The ever-reliable Mr. Carlo Winter, Alan O'Reilly were saying this on his Twitter feed. He wasn't putting bets on it two weeks ago but he was saying keep an eye to it and sure enough the Dark Sky app and the other app that I watch for the week, it's going to get very, very cold indeed. Met Aaron predicting it now which means it's definitely almost certainly going to happen but looking at temperatures at the back end of the week this week, not getting above 4 degrees by day, struggling to get past freezing even as we head in towards the weekend. So winter, she be a coming. Good morning, 0818 96 96 96, the number. The text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. So much to do, including a giveaway every single day this week with the panto at the Everyman Cinderella, sending some families not just to see the show but to dinner as well. More of that as we go through the morning. But first of all, Cork City Football Club, as you heard a couple of weeks ago on this programme, Cork City Football Club has a new owner this morning. His name is Dermot Usher. And over the weekend, the majority of the club members, the Forest members, who voted in favour of his takeover was something like 86%, which I think even yourself, Dermot Usher, you were surprised at, at that endorsement. Morning to you, sir. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. You were surprised at the size of the endorsement, weren't you? I'll be honest, I was shocked, yeah. I, I thought I was... Uh, I didn't think for one moment to get that, get that level of endorsement. <clears throat> but I just think for the 
Cork City fans and Force Trust. I think they've now shown a good bit of faith in myself and it's up to me now to go and deliver on that for them. Why did you want to take over Cork City? I suppose uh, I've had a passion for League of Ireland for a number of years and it's been well noted around the league that I've, I've been interested for a while to get involved. Um, the opportunity for Cork uh, came up and I thought it was a too too good to refuse. Um, I just think it's a fantastic club as regards the size of the club. Uh, it's just got massive potential. It's got a huge fan base. It's without no disrespect to, to Cove. It's probably a, one, one club, one county, um, you know, certainly in the, for the Premier Division. Um, I just think it offers a lot as regards the, you know, the capacity for getting crowds back in and then on the corporate sponsorship as well. It's a club that is much loved, Dermot, and attracts great crowds on a Friday night down there to, to Turner's Cross. And in my previous reporting days, I travelled across Europe in the glory days of Cork City Football Club. I travelled across Europe with them. We would love those days back. Can you bring them back? I hope so. I don't, uh, I'm not promising anything right from the very, very start. I think that the season ahead is going to be probably a, a little bit tough in that we're probably coming to the to the signing of players maybe just a little bit later than yeah. what we would have likened. Um, I think there's a bit of learning for myself. I think, you know, I think we need to give Colin uh, a bit of a break too and let him ease his way into Premier Division management. Um, it's his first time doing it too, so I think uh, Colin needs our support mm-hmm. as well. But certainly the, 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 the target certainly within the next couple of years is to try and achieve uh, qualification for Europe, absolutely. It's a gulf between first place in the first division and coming into the Premier there's a gulf there that you only realise how big it is until you actually try to do it isn't that right? Absolutely you know like it's chalk and cheese I think um, you know the the first couple of teams for, for next season in the, in the first division, uh, I would feel, are premier quality teams. Uh, probably, I, I would say that likely to be um, Galway and Waterford, probably hopefully to come up. Um, but definitely, the, the, there's a massive ga- uh, gap between uh, premier and first division. Yeah. So the the plan for, for season one, Dermot, is it get in there, get the money in, start things moving, <clears throat> bring your plan and achieve what in season one? I think in season one, I think I need to show the people, the fans of Cork City that on the, I think first and foremost, I'm a, I'm a League of Ireland fan, so I know what it's like to mm. experience to go to a match. And I think there's been a number of um, things put out on forums to do with facilities at the ground. Now, I, I need to work with the MFA on a lot of those things, but I think a lot of those things can be can be fixed uh, quite quickly. Mm. Um, I just need a little bit of time just to get in and, and, and sort those things out uh, with the MFA's cooperation. Yeah. Um, is, so is it I an think, issue, Dermot, that, yes, Cork City, to, uh, saying it has a collective we like we do, we've got a lovely stadium, but it ain't our stadium, so you're limited in what you can do there. I'm interested to a point, but I honestly believe, like, for, for the MFA, they want to have the best stadium uh, they can possibly have. Um, I want to have the best stadium we can possibly have. Um, I don't think it's going to take a huge amount to get it. I think there's certain things required. Um, I think the toilet facilities, for one, has been just, that's been thrown out quite a bit mm. uh, on the media stuff that I've read and on, on some of the, the forums. So I think, obviously, from the background of the business that I've been in, I think that's that's probably quite an easy fix. Yeah. Uh, it might take a little bit of money to do it. You, uh, you know I, your I, bathrooms, Dermot. I sure. do know my bathrooms. <laughs> I do know my bathrooms. So, obviously, from uh, from from that point of view, that that's an area, obviously, for me, for focus quite, quite early on. And a lot of the other stuff... Um, 
they're not massive things to, to fix, but they do cost money. Mm. And uh, th- that's the type of stuff. So we just want to make sure we're doing the right thing at the right time. But I definitely want, I, I think my approach to, 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 to this Cork City is looking at things from the fan back to, our, back to the club rather than the club out to the fan. And I think you look at things through a different lens when you mm. look at things like that. Um, at the end of the day, there's a whole audience of people, I would feel, outside of the current supporters of Cork City who maybe have never thought about coming to a match um, and that could be families my own life experience with my sons growing up uh, we became fans of, of League of Ireland because of my own personal circumstances uh, and I think there's, a, there's an audience out there that could reach out and it, it's not just about a football game it's actually a night out it's a night out to talk to people and meet people I've spoken uh, openly about loneliness and stuff like that mm. and trying to attract uh, people and make it make people aware that look it's a great night out to come to something on your own you put a scarf around your neck now you've suddenly got something in common with a lot of other people uh, you can go to the for a drink afterwards and you've got something to talk about uh, you know so there's opportunities around for lots of different people and a different audience to the current uh, Cork City fan base, mm. which I'd like to probably try and tap into as well. The full-time professional game, Dermot, is A, expensive to fund and B, difficult to maintain. Can you do that? Yeah, I feel I can. I've done, I've done my own stress test. I think that there, there are a number of probably key numbers uh, and the two major ones being uh, bums on seats attendance at matches um, and then the sort of sponsorship corporate sponsorship they're they're really the two key numbers that drive everything okay Um, and I feel on those two numbers I feel we can deliver Um, I think because we're going back into the Premiership I think uh, well sorry Premier Football that you know the likes of playing Rovers Bowles Dundalk Mm. Pats you know they should you know attract sizable well, they're occasion nights there's no doubt about it they're absolutely, occasion nights absolutely yeah. and they will make up for maybe some of the lesser nights uh, maybe against matches against like the UCD or Drod and stuff um, but overall I'd be, I'd be pretty confident but then again if you're, if you're up there you know yourself one thing about car crowds and I'm sure you know it the, 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 the better the club is doing the bigger the crowds so it doesn't matter who you're bringing down if if you're competing and if you're particularly in the top half of the of the of the table you'll fill you're close. You're, you'll fill your stadium. Yeah, and we also got to look at the days that we're maybe, you know, it's, it's, it's likely at some point we're probably going to go on some sort of a bad run. I'm not preempting something. It happens. But it, 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 happens. It, it, it does happen. And I think it's, and I, I said this at the, at the forest meeting last night, don't abandon the team. The, the team needs your support, the, the fan support, more at those points than we do when we're absolutely flying in the league. Well, that's a football um, fan talking to me anyway, Dermot, more than the businessman. I like to hear the sound of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think uh, the bottom line is, we, we, you know, when, when the team isn't doing as well, we need to get behind it. And I also feel that people need to, you know, if if we bring a newer audience in, that it, they're looking at it as a night out and not just a football match. Um, and I think that might help people stick with the team a little bit longer and just enjoy the experience of a Friday night and something to look forward to. I'm old enough to remember the heady early days of Cork City FC, Dermot. Do you know what I remember? Davy. Doubt you, Davy, playing and all that, and I remember, yeah. I remember Skippy Morley, John Caulfield, all the greats. You know, I remember the, I remember the great days, but I also remember when we were afraid of losing the club. And any time anyone expressed an interest in Cork City Football Club, people said, "Oh, Jesus, here we go again." Can we be happy this time? Are you, are you here for the, for the long haul? Are you gonna, are you gonna drive this forward for the long haul? 
Well, absolutely. Like at the end of the day, I've got my own reputation to uphold. I was happily retired for the last couple of years after selling my business. So I'm, I'm not doing this uh, to fail. Um, I think probably what I bring to the table is probably on the strategic and marketing side and trying to bring people along on a journey with us. And make it clear, this is not just about me. This is about this is really about Cork City, yeah. the fans, the, the corporate sponsors, and to bring everybody on a journey. And we're all on the journey together. And I said last night at the, at the force meeting, I cannot do this on my own. Uh, it just won't work if, it does, if that's, the, if that's uh, what, what happens because you know the support of all the fans is just essential. All right, listen, Dermot, welcome. And uh, we look forward to exciting days back at Turner's Cross. Fingers crossed. Thanks, PJ. Cheers. Dermot Usher, the new owner of Cork City Football Club. If you're wondering what I meant when we were laughing about he knows his bathrooms, he sold his business, Sonus Bathrooms, uh, for, like, telephone numbers. So the guy knows his bathrooms. And if nothing else, we get a nice jacks to go to at halftime. I'm joking. I wish him well. And I wish everybody connected to Cork City Football Club well for the season ahead. 0818 96 96 96. Right. This year's Panto at the Everyman kicked off Saturday and runs until the middle of January. It's the classic tale Cinderella. And, of course, there's a modern twist on it. And I'm in it. Cinderella's open now. Runs until Sunday, 15th January. And today, the Everyman and the Met Restaurant at the Metropole Hotel have teamed up to give two lucky families a great festive day out. Every day, or each family that we give this to, right, you'll have a pre-show meal for four at the Met and then off to the Everyman with a family of four past to see Cinderella on Thursday, 29th December at seven. Now, this is not the time to enter, but I'm going to tell you what you're listening for. The next time you hear this is the time to enter. And you can't enter until you hear it again, because I'm not telling you how to enter until we hear it again. Every eligible maiden is to attend. Why, that's us. And I'm so eligible. You're listening for that again. And when you hear it again, I'll tell you how to enter. So don't try and enter now. All right. We'll have some fun with that during the morning. 0818 96 96 96. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96 FM. Happy holidays. With your local mates. Cork's 96 FM. Now, down in Killarney today and tomorrow, over 3,500 people will be conferred with Irish citizenship. They come from all parts of the world, the United Kingdom, US, India, Poland, over 130 countries, in fact, and uh, the ceremonies will take place at the INEC in Killarney over today and tomorrow, and they'll take an oath to faithfully observe the law of the state and respect its democratic values, etc. And all these things have gone on for a long time. But one thing you might not know is that our Demi from Saturday afternoons, Demi Isaac Oviawe, will be there today getting her papers as an Irish citizen. You're going, what? Demi's not Irish? No, Demi isn't Irish. She came here as a little girl. She was born in November 2000 in Benin City in Nigeria. And she grew up in Mallow, having come here as a little girl. You know Demi from The Young Offenders. You know her from The School for Good and Evil. 
on Netflix and you'll have seen her in Holding, the Graham Norton uh, dramatisation on UTV last year. And you'll know her from Saturday afternoons here on Cork's 96FM. You might not have known that she wasn't Irish. Would you have known that? Because I didn't know until I heard that she was getting her citizenship today. She popped in to me at the weekend for a quick chat. Unfortunately, I don't I don't remember any of the moving. I just remember landing in Mallow almost like I've always been here. Um, I came home with my mother, then my dad followed in afterwards. But unfortunately, both of them after passing, so I don't understand, like, or I don't know the technicality of why we came here. Sure. All I know is that they came here for a better life like any other parent would want for their child. Sure. Um, but that's as much, like, literally the only memory I have, first ever memory of being a Mallow is sitting in the sitting room eating rice. Like, that is the only memory I have. Like, everything else is just a blur because I was yeah. so young. So you, you came to Mallow as a little girl, yeah. little baby, really, and you grew up as a citizen of Mallow. You grew up as Irish as the yeah. rest of us. Like I didn't take into consideration that I wasn't Irish. Like I just thought I was yeah. like everyone else. You did Irish in school? I did it, yeah. Played Camogie, played a bit of Ga here. With a couple of fuck of grits. Yeah, I sure need less of gum. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like I just I didn't think anything different until a lot later on in, in like in when I was younger, like older even, you yeah. know? my teenage age where I realised oh my god I'm not like everyone else I'm Nigerian yeah. like I didn't know everyone had a passport I didn't have a passport until I was 16 and it was a Nigerian passport that I had to get yeah. all because I was going on a school trip that was literally the only reason I got a passport so you were just one of the girls one of the girls yeah. growing up in school in Mallow yeah. and then a school trip comes up mm-hmm. and you're 16 and of course our first everyone's had their first school trip I had mine everyone else has yeah. theirs you have to get a passport yeah. and it was then you realised oh I gotta get a Nigerian one well like I always heard my dad say oh I'm gonna cause like before he passed he had just gotten his Irish passport okay. and his Irish citizenship and he was like I'm gonna apply that and that but again didn't really take it into note into any consideration because I was 15 yeah. and then um, we had to go away and get a Nigerian passport for me because I needed to go on a school trip then once I got the passport then we realised I needed a GNIB card in order to apply for a visa to go on the school trip that's an immigration card yeah so my SAM4 residence card so right. then that's when I realised oh my god I'm not like everyone else this is a lot trickier process than what normal people go so through so to go on a school trip with your school in, in Mallow which one are you up with they, uh, they Davis, want College. To, Davis College Davis College they yeah. want a name check you know yourself, <laughs> right? so you had to get a Nigerian passport and an immigration card and, yeah. just to go on a school trip just to get my visa oh, to go it? on the school trip so I needed a visa to go on the school trip it's just I was just being pulled from one cent, one place to another all in the one day in Dublin and it was that's when I realised oh my god like okay. this is so much work so you know? that's when you're 16 so you got residency then yeah right, I got okay. an emergency one yeah yeah okay and, and that kind of sorted you at that stage of your life yeah no we all didn't get to know you through Davis College. We got <laughs> to know you through the telly. Yes. So when you started acting professionally, yeah. how quickly did you realise, I need to get more papers here? So after season one of The Young Offenders, I was 16, 17 when it aired. And just, I want to say April of 2018, okay. um, I had auditioned for a really big production. I'm not going to say what it was, but it's massive over in the States. And would I know it if you told me like oh yeah it's, it, the film's out and everything like okay. it's um it's one of the big boys right um, but I had auditioned for a part in it I'd gotten it but they were like we want you to fly over to London in two weeks 
And I was like, I can't fly over in two weeks. Can you give me four or five max? I because like, why? You'd have to... Because I need to get a visa So just to leave the pause, country. Pause the story there. <laughs> right. So so this is this massive opportunity. Yes. And you then had to, as a Nigerian yeah. in Ireland, mm-hmm. what would you have had to do to take up that great opportunity in London? What, what, what? I would have to get a visa just to go for like a dress rehearsal or a costume fitting just in London. So... They were supposed to film, if my memory serves me right. And that process involved what? Visit, going, going to Dublin? Going to Dublin, applying for your application online. You have to pay for that then. Then you have to go to Dublin. You have to give them your application. You have to pay for your post. Because, like, obviously I don't live in Dublin. Mm. So, like, to go up and down to Dublin is expensive as it is. So then you have to pay for the postage delivery, which is, like, could be 30 euro, could be 40 euro, whatever the case may be, just mm. to get a, your password delivered back to your house. Um, then you have to go up to the embassy to... Pay, give all your documentation to prove like look it's not just for work or it's not just a holiday it's for work this mm. is state your case basically they send it away you have to wait about four maybe five weeks and then you get your passport back right. then you can leave the country and this was for a day in London this was for a day in London yeah good God and like that could have been they, it was kind of very unclear if it was just for costumes or if it was to actually do like in-person audition as well right so like I basically almost had this great opportunity at the tip of my fingers and I couldn't leave the country because I didn't have an Irish passport right. so you realised then right okay yeah. my career is about to is about yeah. to take off I need to get my papers yeah. so the process Demi of the papers Talk so um, last not last year yeah, last year, um, or the year before, sorry, we were filming in Belfast for the School for Good and Evil Netflix film. And I got in two days off and I was like, right, this is it. I'm going to send away my application right now because I'm not going to let this thing happen to me again where I'm waiting for to get a job. I can't get the, I get the job. I can't go over it because it's just not nice. So two days, I went home and we spent two days literally getting all my paperwork in, in order. Went to pat my immigration officer. I got everything from when my mother first came to the country to when she passed to when my dad apply for his first passport to when he passed all the documentation photocopied everything went to sisters went to the Garda barracks got everything stamped and approved sent it away this is in May then come June maybe July August in around there you're talking mounds of paper here literally like you have to give them everything if right. you don't want to get questions give them everything so you're what 20 what, what age were you that's the uh 20 so you're giving them 20 years of paper yeah basically yeah. Every- and not, not just my paper my parents papers their death certificates their marriage certificate everything every possible. piece of paper that refers to you and your family since yeah. you got off a plane and brought and came to Malo yeah. as a little girl everything everything stuff that I didn't even know happened I had to read through the papers because I was so young it's just mad so is, that, send- is that hard to do um, I mean, I know your parents. Uh, do you know your parents, what? You were very young when your parents died, and I'm sorry to hear that. By the way, I, what was that hard to do to pull all that stuff together? Do you know what? I'm I'm very grateful that my uncle had just did his, and he knew the process. He'd done his twice. They denied him the first time, and then he did it the second time, and he got it. So he was like, "You need to." He was like, "Even double check with the guard of barracks so you don't have a criminal record." I don't. They're like double check just in case because they will pull up everything on the system. Wow. Um, my mother as well came. She was absolutely fantastic. She was like she basically sent it away while I had to go back up to Belfast for work so it was just they double checked and went over everything to make sure I got everything right before we sent it away just to avoid them ringing me like the department going do you have any more information so your mum and dad to be fair and God rest them they had been quietly putting all the paper aside for the day you'd once need it oh great so like their immigration officer Pat like he was theirs and now he's me and my brother so he had everything like I mean everything right. so, so was, you get this mound of paper yeah. and, and, and they don't 
like it's got to be paper. They want paper. Oh, everything. It cannot be digital. It has to be photocopies of everything. Right. Everything. So you, you take this up and you present it to them. And yeah. what happens then? You just wait. You're like a sitting duck. And I actually got a letter and, which is very rare, a phone call saying that they had received it a few months later saying, we're processing your your, your, your mm. application. Processing. We haven't done it. We're right. processing. We've just received it after waiting for months. And they weren't able to tell you, look, am I okay for this? No. No? No. Like you could get a letter and I was very lucky, but you could get a letter in the post saying, can you give more information about this? Could you state where you were living before this? That I didn't really have that. I was really lucky in that way. Yeah. You were so, vetted to within an inch of your life. Yeah. Little girl comes here when you're two. Yeah. I hear you. And you're vetted to an inch. So then you get... So when did you find out about the ceremony that's happening now? I got a letter in the post, I want to say in October, saying that you've got 10 days to pay 950 euro. What? Basically saying More that you've gotten it. Yeah, yeah. So it's about 175 when you're sending away your application right. then it's 950 for your actual like nationalisation certificate and everything else then you have to pay for your passport afterwards right. that's not included in, in all of that money so you won't get your passport immediately will until you? until I get my nationalisation so you get and then you go and get your, pass, your, yeah. your, your passport I apply for it like anyone else would then yeah how does it feel then? do you know what it's it's the only difference I think I will feel is once I receive my actual physical passport. Mm. Like, to me, I'm still Irish. It didn't really... Like, nothing really changed in my life. Yeah. Like, I still... I'm still Demi who grew up in Mallow with the with all the siblings and the noisy house. You know, like, nothing's changed for me. But mm. in terms of work and actually receiving my passport, that's when I know, oh my God, I finally did what my dad's been planning to for years. And mm. I finally can take that off. And here's the thing... Like, did you realise? I know when when was it he passed away? Um. Oh my God, this is bad. June of twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. So what? Six six years ago. Yeah. So, like, did you realise when he how much work he'd actually put into preparing for you? Oh be- man, like he's first. Like he was sick when he got his Irish passport. Okay. Like really sick, and like the first thing he thought of was right. I've got mine. Like he didn't really. It's weird because in order to apply for an Irish passport for a child under the age of 18, um, you have to either be their actual like parent, like biological parent, yeah. or their adoptive parent. Yeah. So I couldn't apply for mine. My, my mother couldn't, my stepmother couldn't apply for mine until I basically applied for mine when I was 18. Right. So my brother, Eamon, he's 17. He has to apply for it when he's 18 because there's no... There's no other boxes to be ticked. So right. it's either a parent was, or a was He was born here, though, he wasn't was he? He was born here, yeah. He was born Nationalization here. Nationalisation Act of 2005. Yeah, I know. Has, I remember that referendum. Oh, it's it's so frustrating. Cause so like, he was born here. Yeah, like, this is the thing that at the time, and I remember the talking about the politics of it at the time. He, Eamon was born here. Yeah. Okay. And he has to wait to be 18 because your parents yep. passed away, he has to wait to be 18. I had to wait to be has 18. To wait, yeah. And like, my stepmother is our legal guardian. She cannot apply for him un- like he, until he does it when he's 18. Right. And like, he works in a local restaurant. He has to have a GNIB card to work. He wants to go out on holidays with his friends or to visit family. He needs to get a visa. Yeah. But like, and he, Eamon's going through it at the moment. So yeah. you were saying to me before we started that you just want to go to Lanzarote for a week with your mates. Yeah. Go through what that has to be, what has so to happen. So recently in May, I went to Magaluf, right, for, yeah. for one of the girls' hen. Good hair. on you, girl. <laughs> for one of the girls' hen. 
And luckily, I had applied for a Shigan visa. So Shigan visa means it's certain countries in Europe that you can go go to with sure, this yeah. visa, right? Oh, yeah. um, but I had it since January, which was great, which was fantastic, which means that I could have just booked a flight straight away and gone with them, which I did. Right. But if I didn't have that, I would have to plan literally two months in advance to go on holidays for maybe three, four days, maybe a week. Wow. I would have to apply, do the, the application online, pay the fee, go to Dublin, now, the appointments are very tricky because everyone wants to go on holidays during that time of the year. So you're almost like checking and checking and checking and mm. checking. Could you get an appointment? Get an appointment, then you go up to Dublin. Then you have to give them all your, their information, where you're staying, how you're, who you're staying with, how long you'll be there for, da-da-da-da-da. Mm. Basically everything. By the colour of your knickers. <laughs> Literally <laughs> everything. You have to tell them. Then you do that. You have to wait about four to maybe five weeks. You get your passport. But when you get that visa, it could be either for 30 days, 60 days or 90 days, or it could be for the amount that you're going for. Really? Yeah. They could literally give you a visa for so four days in Magaluf. If I'm going to Magaluf for four days, I get it for only four days. Like, they could do that if they wanted to. Christ. It's just, it that's, all that's, comes down to that. It would be so hard just to grow up and live as a normal young person like But like that. I said, I didn't really take into consideration until... I was like a proper teenager, there like, oh my God, like my friends want to go to this place for holidays. Ah, need a visa. Uh, you told me a sad story about a piece of work that you finished recently. Was that the Netflix one? Yeah. You had to miss something really important. So, it's a massive thing, Netflix, obviously everyone knows that. Um, but I, they had had a few things in London and I had missed them, right? right. Sometimes it's because of work and sometimes it's because I just didn't yeah. have a visa, which is fine. But this time I'd been told in advance that they were having a screening, which was great, which is fantastic. It's basically like... It's not a red carpet night. Yeah, but it's not, they won't call it a premiere, but it's basically the next best thing to premiere. All the cast is there, right. all the directors. It's just fantastic. It's the glitz and the glamour. This is basically. before it drops on Netflix. Before it drops, right? I hadn't watched the movie at this point. Right. So my agent says to me, she's like, do you want to do it? I'm like, oh, 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 and I was like, do you know what? I'll go away and get a visa right. and I'll come back to you. Went to get a visa and... I missed the first appointment, but that was my own error. I left my passport at home, but that's grand. Went to get the visa anyway and went in, had it paid for everything, was sitting there waiting, told them, right, this is what it's for. Again, you tell them everything, as much information as mm. you can, all your reference letters, you give it to them to prove that this is Just important. Just to go to London. Just to go to London. So sitting there and she's like, right, I send this away. It should be approved. It looks good. I was like, grand. She's like, it could be about five weeks. I'm like, five weeks? like, five weeks. When is the event? The event is in four weeks. Oh, and I'm like, but I, you don't understand. This is like a massive, like, I'm going to be socialising. It's literally networking for my for my career. Like, this is massive. But this is a massive, massive career right? event for me. Like, yeah. She's like, look, I can only do so much. I can put Argent on it, but that's as much as I can do. It's just, it's, it's game of Russian relay. It's the same game, right? You're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. mad, Demi. This is crazy. I got the visa. I got my password from the post because uh, I paid for the postage on Friday. The event was on the Monday. So I actually missed out on meeting everyone again, socialising, meeting people, networking, all of that, because I didn't have my passport in time. And you couldn't get a flight? Couldn't get it up. Couldn't book a flight? Couldn't well, online. I could book a flight, but it's like, you're miss it's what's the point? You're rushing then. Like, oh. literally, Friday evening I got it. The event was on Monday morning. Like, there's a big and jump This there. is the biggest gig of your career yeah. so far, and you yeah. had to miss the premiere because of all this paperwork nonsense. Yeah. So the next one that comes along... I'll, I'll be able to go. I'll be organised. I'll be sorted out. I'll just book a flight and go. I can do it a day before and I'll be delighted, you know. And you know, you, we're coming back into to Cork when when you've tra been travelling and you know what they're like up at the airport. Like, yeah. 
you're handing over paperwork to get it. Go anyway, sure you're from. You're the one off the t- Yeah. Do you, do you get that, Demi? You're the one off the telly. Do you know, it's it's weird because when people see you, so obviously Nigerian passports are green. So like when you yeah. go through customs or immigrations, whatever, they look at the passport and they're flicking through and they're like, what's the purpose of being here? I'm like, oh, I was like, oh, I live here. Do you know, and the accent kind of comes out a little bit more to prove a point. And they just kind of look at you and go, oh, sure, you're the one. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're like, and this is yours. I'm like, yeah, that's my name in, in the password. I go in. Asha Patty, would you, would you look at her like, Joe? You know? But then when you go to another country, they don't even take that into consideration. Of course they don't, no. They're like, what's the purpose of coming here? It's a holiday. All right, go on in. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, just... Yeah. Well, well, I, I, I almost feel silly saying, but welcome. <laughs> it's, 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 it's weird, you know, like people just don't know. And yeah. you just assume that I am Irish. Like I was at an Ifters, um, which is film our Irish film and televisions awards like yeah. conference during the week, and like I'm talking about Irish media, and I'm looking around going, I'm technically not Irish. Like, <laughs> this is so weird. And I said it to the CEO, and she's like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm not Irish until Monday until I get my my wow. certs." Wow. She said, "There's no way." I'm like, "Wait, I'm telling you the truth. It's mad, isn't it?" Yeah. yeah. Like I said, like Gemma said, sure, she's from Mellow. I know. I know. It's just <laughs> yeah. All right, and tell me, I know, I know you probably can't, but is there big stuff coming in 2023? Oh, do you know what? Now the past was just made a lot of things easier. Let's just say that, like a lot of work coming in now is just going to be smooth sailing, and I'm just so excited now. Fantastic, so fantastic, delighted. and still here with us on a Saturday afternoon. Oh yeah, you can't get rid of me, PJ. I'm furniture now. <laughs> Demi, thank you, thank you, and welcome again. Thanks very much. Demi Isaac of Yahweh, uh, of Corks 96 FM and of many, many other things. Netflix, Young Offenders, and the future is so bright for that young woman who is a joy to work with and to know. And as of today, in case you didn't know it now, as of today, she's Irish. We always thought she always was, but no. As of today, Demi Isaac of Yahweh is Irish. 0818 96 96 96. Santa baby. For non stop Christmas hits. Non stop Christmas hits. My Christmas present for you. Listen to Cork's 96 Miss. Streaming online now. With Blackpool gift cards. They're the best with so much choice for all the family. Pure shopping. Pure Christmas. Pure Blackpool. Download our app or see 96fm.ie. Right, if you're doing your Cork Simon Christmas jumper day yet you've got 20 days to go 20 days to christmas 15 more opinion line shows until christmas just just saying but every year thousands of you get together with us and with simon to do a christmas jumper day and raise vital funds you can do it at home at school do it online do it in the office wherever because of course nobody wants any child to be homeless at christmas and hosting uh, Cork Simon Christmas Jumper Day will help to make sure that the help they need is there. It's more than just a gift, you know. You can get a pack, a fundraising pack at CorkSimon.ie and then join Cork's 96FM in help to helping to fight homelessness in Cork. Organise your Christmas Jumper Day. And when you've done, send us pictures so we can see. Yeah, do that too. Good. 0818 96 96 96. Dermot Usher uh, on the radio. First thing he says, one club, one county. Aha, come on, city. What a day to be a supporter. Thanks for that. Yeah, look, we know that Cove Ramblers are also in the county and we support them and they 
wish them the very, very best in the Force Division for the continuing season and all of that. And of course, we're proud partners of them here at Cork's 96 FM. But for Premier Division football, it's back on Lee's side with Cork City FC and the new owner, Dermot Usher. And we wish him and the club every success. Terry says, delighted for Demi. As you'd say yourself, PJ, there's a book in that girl's future with everything she's been through. Best of luck to her from Terry. Oh, <laughs> there is a book in her already and a book in the future. And the scary thing is, Terry, with all the talent and all the experience and all the opportunity that today opens for her. She's only 22. It's phenomenal. But yeah, she's part of the furniture here at 96 FM. We're so, so proud to have her. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Michael Moriarty, Baldy Barber. Morning, Baldy. Good morning, PJ. A, a long-time Cork City FC supporter. Well, I was involved in soccer for years and years up to 1981. I was a Wimbledon football club in the middle parish and yeah. then I left and I started a minor team in Blackpool Celtic in 78 the year my father died and uh, I was such a fanatic on football that I closed my shop for half day on Saturdays <laughs> just to be involved in Cork well football yeah. uh, but uh, like I got despondent in 81 because I could never see the most senior league or the Cork well buying pitches and the Cork well got big money for Church Road at the time below there mm. so by Mr. Jack O'Keefe. He, he bought it from... He gave him big money to get out. He was the landlord. But years ago, a couple of years ago, Jackie Morley came to me and, and before the and the man, Robbie Cuthbert, this Cuthbert is the, the baker. He yes, was I know. There, and, and, another land, and they had a meeting outside my shop. We were talked about having a public football team for Cork, that the people would own it. But then we spoke about the gate receipts. And if the gate receipts didn't cover the wages of the players, forget about your corporate, because if you have to subsidise wages, it's going to be very, very hard. Yeah. I want to wish Dermot all the best. Now that's the professional game, Jim. I know that. I know it is. Yeah. I know it is. But like, if you if you can't turn over your business uh, at the gate and pay the players a proper just wage, like, I mean, if a corporate people pull out the PJ they're in trouble straight away. Yeah. Well, here's hoping you know? that Dermot's in for the long haul. I know? hope so. I hope. And he knows what he's doing. He's a football man, you know, and he's no, in a big he successful is. business. He knows how to run a business, put it that way. You know? Oh, he's a good businessman. Great businessman. Fairness out. I have to say that. I've heard so much about the guy. But I want to wish him all the best now going forward and what they call it. I hope, I hope he, uh, he has great success because Cork needs a good football team in any sport. Yeah. In any sport. And they do get, they do get the support. Yeah, it will. They get they get the the gates and they get the support. All the way there, yeah. In fairness, like you know. All right, listen, Mick. Thank you. I wish the best to Dermot Usher and everybody involved with Cork City FC going into the future. That's Michael Moriarty. And uh, if I don't talk to you before Christmas, Michael, happy Christmas to everybody out in the Baldy Barbers. The lines are live, and we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. There's an announcement just in from our friends at Aiken Promotions. Another Live at the Marquee gig confirmed for 2023. We'll probably have a few of them this week now because people want to buy tickets as Christmas gifts. Here's a great announcement. I heard this young woman. I'm, I can't remember where. I can't remember what I was doing, where I was, but I heard 
her and the presenter on the radio said you're going to hear a lot more of Mimi Webb. What a voice. I know nothing about her other than she's from Canterbury and her new album is to be called Amelia and it's coming out in early 2023 but she's one of the bright young things at the moment. They just signed her up for Friday the 16th of June. And the only I know about her is an astonishing voice. Really, really fabulous voice. So Mimi Webb just... Uh, released by Aikens as a Live at the Marquee gig for June of 2023. We'll hear a few of them now, I may tell you, between now and Christmas time, just to get the, the tickets as gifts for Christmas. 0818 96 96 96 is the number. The text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 And your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Just got a call there during the news. AIB, we don't know this, but assuming that the person knows what they're talking about, AIB it would appear, are taking away the ATM in Douglas Court, the shopping centre there, the Duns one. The nearest one will now be on Douglas Road and there's limited parking there. It'll be a nightmare for the elderly. Isn't there... I may be wrong. It may be gone. But for as long as I can remember, there was a ATM just as you go in the door there of Duns in Douglas Court. Just remember the, the big Duns shop right at the back. There always used to be, as you went in there on the right, there was an ATM. I don't know if it's still there. Uh, but if it's not, then that will be no ATM in Douglas Court Shopping Centre to my left. Or is there one in... Is there one in Easton's? Don't know. I, I can't imagine they'd take out the only ATM, though, in an entire shopping centre. But that's what we got a call about anyway. Thanks. 0818... 96, 96, 96. Now, you see where they're looking at ways to cut the cost of your Christmas shopping and they're being encouraged not to go mad on credit cards and just go easy. And, you know, this might be the year when we say to each other, look, let's just bring a bottle of wine, a bottle of sweets to the house. Let's not be doing mad, crazy presents in the middle of a, of a well, I won't use the R word, but you know what I'm going to nearly say. In the middle of a cost of living crisis, don't be spending ridiculous amounts of money on presents is probably good advice for, for anybody. But Chrissy Russell, reading what you did in The Independent, uh, you really uh, experimented with this. Did you realise you spent so much money by going on the ferry to the UK? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Did you know <laughs> that you'd save so much money on the ferry? Do you know, I had no idea it would be that much. I sort of thought, you know, there'd be a bit of a difference. But no, it worked out being about 250, which was way more than I, I was hoping for. Yeah, that was your saving. You're not a person who loves Christmas shopping. You like to do it all in one in one lash. Oh, I do. I hate trudging around the shops and, you know, hiking the bags everywhere and muscling through crowds. No, I just, I loathe it. But then I also hate doing all of it online. and It feels really impersonal. Yeah. So, yeah, it's trying to find something that works, isn't it? So you went over from, was it Dublin, Hollyhead? It was Dublin, Hollyhead, yes, on the uh, Stena Estrid. So it was it's a very fancy one now. Have you I've been on it? I've seen the picture. I haven't been on yet. I've, ah. seen the, I've seen the pictures. I, I haven't been <laughs> over, over to Hollyhead in, in quite a few years now, but I, the, the, the pictures I like. How much did it cost you to go over as a foot passenger? So it's uh, the foot passenger rates from from sixteen return, uh, which I thought sixteen euros return, which I thought was wow. very good. Again, wow. that was cheaper than I was anticipating. Um, and then obviously, the, <laughs> I don't think I'm doing a disservice to the people of Wales if I say like Hollyhead's not necessarily a destination for no. us. It's not. No, no, it's no, not no. Barcelona. And, and much as I love Wales <laughs> and the people of Wales, no, there's yeah. nothing in Hollyhead. Like there's barely a shop and a pub. 
Yeah, yeah. There's a few nice places to eat. There's a few decent walks if you get the weather. But no, you kind of have to keep the eyes on the prize. That you're not going to ha- you're not going to go to Hollyhead on your holidays, Chrissy. Put it that way. <laughs> I, I don't think I would. No, I've been, I've been through it many, many, many times. But yeah. yeah, I don't think you're going to yeah necessarily think you know that's on my my bucket list of must uh, must stay locations. But mm. as I say, it's it's keeping keeping focused on on what you're you're there for, and yeah. really you're there to go back. So and get you leave Dublin. It's, it's it's a three what three and a half hours. But yeah, it's a wee bit over three hours, so it is. But again, it's it's a. It, I like going by ferry. You see, I think I have quite nice memories of like childhood trips mm. and and the boat being part of the experience. Of and course. I, as, as fast as you know, flying is, like it's not. It's not the same as enjoying yeah. you know a wee bit of a, a wander around a boat. Sure, it's not. No, when you get a bit of breakfast and you know read a book and chill. Yeah, a wee potter, a wee potter. So, you went on, so, you know, you went on your own, you lucky thing. I know. Well, you see, that's the thing as well. Like, <laughs> you could put me anywhere without the kids, and it's a holiday. So, mm. yeah, that was that. That was definitely a bonus. But then, if I'd been doing the shop in town, I'd have definitely tried to pan them off on, on my mum or something as well. Uh, you know, kids shopping, it's just it's not worth it in any way. So, quarter past eight departure. So you're into Hollyhead for what half eleven, quarter Wee to bit twelve. After 11, yeah. Potter yeah. around there. You're not doing any shopping yet. Potter around there, and then because of Brexit. That's what mm. ma- that's where the magic happens. You get back on the ferry. Well, there had to be something positive to come out of it, didn't there? <laughs> and it turns out it's duty free savings. <laughs> so yeah, I mean the big ones like I so, you see, I'm sort of loath. Well, no, look, he's probably all read read it already, so he knows how much I've saved. But the aftershave, my God, the aftershave savings were fantastic. I got my husband a Hugo Boss one, and I looked all these up at the high street to see exactly what mm. I'd saved. And it normally retails in boots at about ninety four euros, and I got it for twenty five quid sterling. And oh, like you can't be wrong for That's that. Thirty euro, like less even. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that, you know, I mean, that's third pretty much. So yes, I mean, I could have gone mad on all the the smelly stuff, the molten brown stuff as well. There were huge savings on that. I'm just trying to find. Yes, I think it was thirty five pounds sterling as opposed to sixty five euros in the shop. You know, so these are all compared with high street prices, and I mean, those ones were excellent. So I, I, I you know, if you're getting like smelly stuff for your know, teachers or relatives and that, brilliant. Like, could not be better. It's a lovely day out. I think it is, yeah. Do you know? I mean, they've they've done a lot of work on the um on the the standalone ships. So now they they have this this claim now where they can they can say that they've got the largest amount of retail space on the Irish Sea, and the shop is impressive. And I yeah. have to say, because I, I haven't thing. done I haven't done a ferry in a few years, and I never I, I it's ages since I had duty free on a ferry because of the whole European Union thing and all that. Mm. But the shops, I can remember the shops used to be sort of a lot of fags and booze and not a whole pile less. No, I know. They used to be very basic. Certainly that would be uh, my memory of whenever I was a kid. Like, yeah, there was nothing really to look at there. And in terms of for the kids, you know, yes, it's far better than in days gone by. But I mean, it's still... Like, it's not like walking into Smith's, obviously. No. You know, there's a bit of Lego, there's a bit of Duplo, uh, there's, you know, some colouring things. So, like, if you're hoping to do sort of kid shopping, you know, maybe sort of temporary expectations there. But in terms of, like, the toiletries and, you know, electronics and things like that, mm. you know, there was far more, far more than I realised. And there's actually far more than, because I'd had a wee look in the brochure before going, there's far more than there's in the brochure in the shop. I mean, it is, it is a big, big shop. Yeah. Sweets and chocolates cheap. 
<laughs> sweets and chocolates were good. Now, some were better than others. Butlers, I picked up a few of those. Now, I think I got two boxes of um, lovely butler selection for 17 quid. And it would have been, I think, about 27 maybe right. euros. And so, so you know, it's a saving. Now, the chocolate wasn't as big a saving as the likes of the alcohol, the electronics, um, you know, the, the smelly stuff. You know, things like Sony headsets and like watches and that, if you were going for those kind of big buys, you could save loads. I mean, there was um, there were headphones, I think, were 105 sterling, uh, but would have been 150 euro, I think, maybe yeah. in the high street. So, you know, all these wee ones do tot up. So, the 40 quid yeah, and 30 exactly. quid and 10 quid, they all do add up. What about... They do, don't they? What about booze? Because it's been a long time since any of us had to calculate duty-free allowances. Oh my days! You know what this reminded me of? You know those like those things you used to do in school, where it's, if a, if a, a train leaves the station at X o'clock and another one goes uh, at this, it was like trying to calculate that. You know, you could have sixteen liters of beer and four liters of non-sparkling wine and one liter of spirits, or you could have two liters of sparkling wine. So, <laughs> so, so, okay. What, I mean, what, like, what, what I will answer coming coming from from say Wales to to Dublin like you're allowed yeah. what so coming, yes, and that's really important because I was looking enviously at the travelling from Ireland to the UK one where you're allowed so much more, but because you're coming back, it, you have to calculate it on your end destination, which obviously is Dublin because you're on a day return. So coming back into Ireland, you're allowed 16 litres of beer and four litres of non-sparkling wine and a litre of spirits. So or, that's, about, that's about 32 tall cans of beer. Yeah. and, and a half. The, uh, I had a photographer with me who was only delighted with the wine. He said he loves it. I think it was a white Zinfandel. He picked up a box of that. And How much wine can you bring Larry. back? You can bring four litres of non-sparkling wine or two litres of sparkling wine. Because again, now on the sparkling, the savings were amazing. Let me yeah. see, because, yeah, the champagne, oh, I can't find the, the one just yet. But it was like half price or something. It really was a brilliant saving on the champers. Would you save on um, the old Prosecco? Like, Prosecco would be popular now? Yeah, yes. No, see, I went straight in for the, the champagne. Ah, yeah, I'm sorry, went, I didn't look at the You went big guns, you know. The rest of us, us, <laughs> yeah, us mere mortals are going for the Prosecco, you know. <laughs> I'm going to go mad. But you know what? <laughs> it feels a bit early to be talking about this, but like vodka was brilliant. Vodka was Never too 16 early for quid sterling. <laughs> well, well, that's Christmas. Exactly. Um, what, so, what was I mean, the vodka? How much was the vodka? Yeah, so the vodka, absolute vodka, was uh, 16 pounds sterling. Um, and Shh, I think it was 17 quid. Yeah, yeah, it was like it was well, well down on what you'd spend that's in the half shop. What you and that was her. the thing then. Do you know what I mean? I was looking, thinking, oh, geez, I'd love to pick up, you know, a bottle of brandy as well and a bottle of gin, but you can only have your one bottle of spirits. Oh, really? Unless there's, yeah, unless there's several of you traveling, in which case it's per person. So, you know, if there's four of you traveling, you can each get your bottle, but then. Okay, you know, so, so you can't kind of say, look, I'm not bringing any cans. Can I bring three vodka? No? <laughs> yeah, no, you can't do trades. Yeah, see, that's what I was hoping because I was like, I don't want beer. I don't want non sparkling wine. Can I just, you know, up it on the, the mm. gin and the white, you know, the white spirits? But no, absolutely not. So, what about, no. what about, and, and, what about the ciggies then? Well, you say I wasn't looking at Siggies because I don't know. Does anyone give Siggies for Christmas? But I'd say, um, yeah, again on that, I'm sure there are big savings to be had. And I, I'm trying to look in the wee brochure to find. Out. You're all right. You're all right. Oh, it's a very long time since I had a puff. I have I know, to say, I've so never no, done. It's one I've I don't even done, look but, at. But, but, yeah, I've never <laughs> done, but you always know the people. But that's an interesting one about the booze. You can't trade up. You can't go look. I'm going. I'm not taking any cans, but I want. I want four bottles of that. You can't do that. 
No, no, you can't. No, it's not. I mean, you could get yourself two litres of, of Baileys if you were so inclined. Um, but again, it's it, you, you can't help but feel a wee bit sad when you look at the travelling to the UK one because you're allowed four yeah. litres of spirits if you're going that now, way. But you can't, the, do you know what I mean? You can't, oh, go on ahead. <laughs> yeah. Supposing you didn't wait until you were coming back, right? Mm-hmm. And supposing you had bought on the way over and were willing to cart all those bags around Holly Head. Right. Could you buy again on the way back? No, you see, it's your end destination. Because ah, okay. I did, I asked about this. This was my my great hope that I could maybe do a double. But no, yeah, or, no. Or bring the car. I know, splash out, bring the car and load the damn thing to the roof. Like. Yeah, no, look, it is not a booze cruise. You yeah. know, the, the alliances are, 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 are generous enough, but no, it's very okay. much not that. And if you're doing your UK alliance, it has to be landed in the UK. So you have to. Well, I suppose consume it there or give it to somebody there, and then it's what you what you have coming back is what you. your your duty free alliance is. All right, okay, Chrissy. Well, it was, a, it was a nice day out anyway. It was. Do you know? I have to say, it was much more relaxing than than trudging round the shops. You yeah. know, I mean, there's obviously a wee bit of guilt there that obviously, you know, it's. I like to buy kind of independent stuff as well, but you know, for those big ones like the smellies and that, you're only ever going to be going to the big guys anyway. So you may as well save yourself a few quid and jump on the know. boat. All right, Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy Russell, a freelance journalist, was writing in the Independent. Um, yeah, for a foot passenger, it's dirt cheap to go over for the day, or two of you over for the day on the Stena line and bake up the duty free on the way back but don't be thinking now that you can get enough booze to sink a battleship because you can't 0818 96 96 96 then you have to trudge from for us anyway then you have to trudge all the way to Dublin and get out to D- Dublin Port and get over to Hollyhead and all that uh, We or if you're going to do it the other way you have to go to Ross Lair and, do they still go from Ross Lair to Wales? but Hollyhead lads no no don't <laughs> don't think that you're going to have a, a but don't be tempted well, you might be tempted to book a, an overnight or a weekend in, in Hollyhead but Hollyhead ain't no Manchester that's, or it ain't no Cardiff it's basically a big pier and a couple of pubs and shops and it's bloody cold at this time of the year 0818 96 96 96 We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96 FM With your local mace Amazing value, sure to make you smile this Christmas Cork's 96 FM Jura says the ATM in Dunn's PJ's Bank of Ireland and they were looking for an AIB one Might I just say that if you're I, I'm not look. Maybe maybe there's something I'm missing here. But an ATM, if you just want to get money out of the wall, an ATM is an ATM. I would have thought. If you want to get a big cash, doesn't matter whether it's a AIB or a Duns or any other kind of ATM. I suppose if you want to put money into the bank through the ATM, then that's a problem, admittedly. But at least there's one there in Duns if you want to get cash out. But thank you, Jar. 0818 96 96 96 we're sending two families to dinner and to the panto at the Everyman today of course Cinderella opened at the weekend classic tale with a modern twist runs until Sunday January 15th but for two lucky families today not only will we have a free night out for them but dinner as well at the Met beforehand it'll be Thursday 29th December 7 o'clock performance 
everymancork.com for more details about the Panto and to actually book. But we will have an opportunity for two families to win today. Uh, I, I gave you a hint earlier on as to what you're listening for. And because it's Monday, and because I'm feeling in a good humour for Monday, I'm going to tell you this is what you're listening for, but I'm not going to warn you again. We'll do this between 11 and 12 for real. So this is what you'll be listening for between 11 and 12. Every eligible maiden is to attend. Why, that's us. And I'm so eligible. And only then will I tell you how to enter. So any attempt to enter now won't work. That old ATM that was there forever is still there in Duns in, in Douglas Court. It's a Bank of Ireland one. The other one that they're telling us we're being told on the phone is being taken away is the AIB one. Um, if you just want cash, I would have thought that any old AIB or any old ATM would do you. But I suppose if you want to put money in or do anything more complicated than that, you do need the specific bank that you're dealing with. Now, uh, the head of Cork's Sexual Violence Centre has voiced her concerns about sexual abuse in the corporate world. Um, workplace harassment. Uh, and workplace, being abused in your workplace by someone you can't really, or you think you can't really tackle about it. It's a very insidious kind of abuse that the person is sort of holding you down by the strength of the hold they have over you in your job, effectively being abused by your boss or by a superior. And it's more common than we think, Mary. Morning. Morning, morning, PJ. I think this all happened like when people started going back um, to work after COVID and as we kind of kept hoping that we wouldn't have the same old normal, that we have a different normal. And I think uh, included with the stalking campaign that we're doing with Una and Eve, people started contacting us about different things that happened to them. And the issue of kind of workplace abuse kept coming up, you know, in people saying, what can I do? I'm afraid to go to work. I'm afraid not to go to work. I'm afraid to say something in case I lose my job. Um, and then they say and the HR knows and other people know and they're trying to kind of smooth it over. Like one girl who had a serious sexual assault, she was saying the HR are trying to organise a meeting with her and the offender. And I don't think it's that they mean to do wrong. I just think they don't realise or believe the extent of abuse that's mm-hmm. going on. Or sometimes believe a girl when she says the extent of it. And guys, a lot of guys were kind of in contact with us too, who maybe... Um, after COVID because they had such a time of being at home, being isolated in some kind of ways that this was a shock to the system mm. that they were back in and they are facing something that they feared or something that they'd hoped had gone away. Yeah. Was it that something that just made them uncomfortable pre-COVID and they just got on with it? Then COVID came and they were working from home for months on end and that wasn't happening and they did they almost forget about it or just think well when, it, when I go back to the office now it'll all be gone away? I think that, I think the hope was that when they went back, it'd be all gone away and the people would behave differently because people had lots to think about during COVID. And most people, you know, I found, you know, said going back to work was really great, meeting their friends, being part of a community again, being part of a group. But yeah. it's just the odd guy and the odd woman who continues to, you know, do this kind of power, which is a power um, control kind of gig. That's really what it's about, power and control, that they continue to do it. And I'm really asking people who see it going on, to call it out. I know it's very difficult. Mm. I know if you're in a workplace, you don't uh, get yourself into trouble. And, you know, it's like people say, the perpetrator 
asked you to stay silent and that, that's why we, you know, society kind of sides perpetrators unintentionally because the victim asked you to do something and we're asking people to do something because I think for anybody, a young woman or a young man or an older person going into a workplace where it's continuous harassment or where they fear somebody coming up behind them, it's mostly just horrific. You know, at night, wake at night thinking, I don't want to go into that place. Um, mm. And it, it, it varies from people who say they're in huge organisations where they may be moved to a different department where they don't want to be moved or people in a small um, organisation or a small company where there's very few people there where they just feel there's no escape. Yeah. Like, if you spot a colleague being made uncomfortable by a superior that also happens to be your superior, that's you in an equally difficult position. If it you, is, call, if you call that out, well, nothing will happen to the other person that hasn't happened already, but you could find yourself victim. And, and, that's, and that's the problem. That's why we all need to get together and, you know, really support each other. Because I can guarantee you, you know, it's not the first time this guy has done it. It's like any kind of sexual assault or any kind of uh, power game that's going on. They do it continuously. And we all know it. Because often girls and guys are warned about somebody or say, he's only messing, sure, it's only a bit of uh, blackguarding, he's only a bit of messing, you know, leave mm. it go. And it's not. And we're just finding the impact it's having um, on the young men and the young women are seeing is, Appalling, and you know, I will ask them to contact us because some of them are saying, even on stalking, I, I didn't realise that the the crime victims helpline were using us as the only organisation in Cork who supports somebody who's been stalked, and it doesn't mean they have to be raped or sexually harassed in any kind of way. Mm. It's kind of stalked, and I say the same about people in the workplace. If we can't give them the answers, we will get somebody legally um, to support them and to give them advice, or unions, or or you know, lots of places that will give them proper advice and all I'm saying is we support them for every way we can and we need to ask them to look at it and see what they can do to change the behaviour of these guys. Come back to the, the the harmless banter thing, like you know Mary there are people who work together in offices all up and down the country and there is that banter between adults and it is harmless for the most part but that offers an opportunity to a person with more nefarious intent to hide in open space, doesn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, somebody can make banter with somebody else and they know that person, they know they're only messing, they know they don't mean anything. But then that person could say the same thing to somebody else that they don't know quite well who might be going through other kind of things and they they feel it quite deeply. So it is about kind of just watching our language in any kind of way, you know, well, I get you. I mean, some guys say things just out of stupidity, not out of any malice or intent or anything. And the same with women. So it is just a matter of being cautious and being careful. And, and if it makes you uncomfortable, say it. Yeah, and the, but then people often feel stupid. They often feel like, I shouldn't be acting like this. It's only a small thing. And he's really lovely and he didn't mean it. And I'm being stupid. All this kind of stuff. Well, so if he didn't mean it, it Mary, the chances are if he didn't mean it, most normal guys that I know would say, oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean it. I totally. You know? Oh, Christ, totally. I'm so... You know, you know, and I want... God, I'm so, I didn't mean that at all. I'm so sorry, you know? Because it is Absolutely. harmless most of the time, you know? But, it is, and, but it, it depends on who's on the receiving end of the impact. There you go. It kind of has on them. So I'm not blaming, as you know. I think most men are brilliant in this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And yeah. in the country, they've kind of made a difference in the whole area of sexual violence by keeping the conversation going. But just see, this seems to be one that's coming up, especially after COVID, where people are finding it extremely difficult yeah. to be in a workplace with this going on. We're in Christmas party season, Mary. Awkward things can happen at Christmas parties. Do you, in your centre and your colleagues, do you get reports after Christmas parties? Not really. No. The same as we would after any Saturday night or any Friday night or any Monday night. Right. I mean, you're still back to kind of the person who's going to do it as somebody you work with, somebody you know, somebody who you trust. Um, I mean, girls and guys often feel more vulnerable because they might drink more. Of course you do. You're at a Christmas party. But the perpetrator won't. He'll be kind of waiting and watching where other guys are just getting as drunk as everybody else. I see. I see. So he'll, you know, there he'll, is this he'll strike there kind of, he will, just or like you will anywhere else. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, the other guys would just enjoy themselves, get drunk, um, and have a good time, you know? And the the worst you get out of it is a sore head. Mary, last week I spoke to a most incredible woman. She she held us transfixed here for over 20 minutes, Priscilla Granger, about um, domestic abuse at at Christmas time. Um, Do you, and I just wanted to get your, your, your take on the whole thing. Do you find domestic abuse rising? At this time of the year. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think I think the guys um, who are abusing women in that kind of way will use any excuse to kind of keep it going, whether it's Christmas or birthdays or a time where they're working or not working. But what I do find is women do try and hold it together for Christmas. You know, we'd often be asked if we get more calls around Christmas, and we kind of don't because people will try and hold it together to get that yeah. period over for the sake of the kids. Yes. And then maybe come in and then maybe go to a refuge, but they will hold it together for the sake of the kids. Mm-hmm. And like we we have, um, you know, the windows that we use in the centre just to highlight kind of issues. We never put anything in as graphic or that would be more kind of um, highlighting 16 days of action or International Women's Day or the figures that we, of people we see. But at Christmas we have a bauble and it's like a Christmas bauble down the Christmas tree and it's kind of... Um, cracked and the words we say is Christmas can be fragile and we say that because there's so many people going back where maybe the person who abused them as a child is going to be in the house because family either don't know or are minimising it Um, 
or maybe there's abuse going on. So it's just a real reminder to people that Christmas for everybody isn't all happy and wonderful. It's quite fragile for quite a lot of them. Fragile is an excellent word for it, actually. Yeah. I'm yeah. shocked by a statistic that I read, Mary, that there were 25 murders recorded in Ireland in 2021, of which 13, more than half, were down to domestic abuse. I know, it's horrific, isn't it? And it's ongoing. And I wish every time a woman like that died that we would kind of go out and protest or raise awareness in some kind of way because I really believe people don't um, realise the extent of it or it's still minimised. I mean, I don't think borders are minimised, but the fact when it happens we're in a relationship like that, it's kind of really put down as between two people, you know. It's not put down like an ordinary vicious, violent murder, which is what it is, is leaving children without a mother. Okay, Mary, coming to the end of uh, of what's been a, an eventful year for you personally. Um, uh, it's been an amazing year, yeah. yeah. And the centre now is going to be 40 on International Women's Day, um, so we're hoping to celebrate a lot. Maybe take over 96 FM for an hour on that day. Between <laughs> two and me and a few others, I think. Well, you know what? That's 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 eight. That's March, isn't it? Yeah, it's the eighth of March. Yeah. Uh, do you know yeah. what? Let's 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 put something together. Let's set something we up. Love it. Yeah, let's, let's, let's get you and, and one or two people in here on that day and we'll celebrate the day. Because sometimes it is about celebrating. It's about acknowledging. And it's about acknowledging the power of survivors. It's about the acknowledging the power that you've had over the years and highlighting these issues, you know, in, in 40 years. Like, it really has made an enormous difference. So right. it, the 8th of March for me is just about getting together and saying, we've done so much, let's do a bit more. But let's, everybody's brilliant. Let's make a plan. Mary, thank you and a happy Christmas, okay. my friend. Take care. Thanks a lot. Cheers, Mary Crilly from the uh, Sexual Violence Centre in Cork. Freeman of Cork City of 2022. 0818 96 96 96. If you need to contact someone about domestic abuse at any time, OSS Cork have a free phone. It's 1800 497 497. 1800 497 497. If you prefer to talk to Mary or any one of her colleagues, I'll give you that number next. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael with an update on Cork's entertainment. Cork's most beautifully spoken millionaire is on a mission to help Ireland's nouveau riche. Reggie's guide to social climbing comes to the Everyman Theatre for a lengthy run starting on Wednesday, March 8th until Sunday, March 19th. Tickets are on sale now from the Everyman box office. Access all areas. Acknowledged as one of Ireland's most successful music acts of their generation, The Frame's career already spans over three decades. They return to Cork next summer to play live with the Marquee for two nights on Friday, June 2nd and Saturday the 3rd. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Let's come back to the AIB development uh, in Douglas, where we're told on the phone that they're taking away the AIB ATM in Douglas Court Shopping Centre. There is the Duns Bank of Ireland ATM, but if you want to lodge money, Christina says that you can use the post office in Douglas Court for lodgement to AIB. Thanks for that, Christina. 0818969696. Hi, PJ. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, says Katie. But a number of teenagers around Cork have collapsed in recent months. And it seems to be soon after they have been vaping. I was told this by my son. It happened to somebody he knew. That's kind of frightening, isn't it? 
There's a lot of nicotine in some of these, so they may well be collapsing from overuse of the vape. A lot of them seem to be buying their vapes online. God only knows what's in them ones. Can you imagine the the unknown damage they're doing to their lungs? It's totally unregulated, and I'm petrified that we'll only realise the damage they're doing in a few years' time. It seems to be very fashionable now among teenagers to vape. And sure, they have no idea, have they, what they're putting into their bodies. I really think parents need to be warned and to be wary. And that's from Katie, who describes herself as a very concerned mom. Now, Eileen Keane from jumpstartyourconfidence.com. Eileen, you do workshops with teenagers all the time. And the subject of vaping comes up a lot, uncomfortably so, I think. Good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Yeah, I suppose um, the last couple of workshops I did, to be honest, I left really angry and really upset in equal measures. Uh, these are kids who are like 13 to 15 and I would say a huge percentage of them either questioning should they vape or are already vaping. Yeah. Um, I suppose the biggest problem, okay, I have a lot of problems with this, but the biggest problem I have at the moment is a lot of the teens, and it's not only teens, PJ, it's younger than that, but anyway, um, a lot of the kids and teens are buying, and adults actually, are buying these disposable vapes, elf bars, there's a number of them. They're about five or eight euro pop. But the way they're getting away with marketing is when you buy an electronic one that you plug in, right, and you buy the oil, the oil is sold in 3 mil, 6 mil, 12 mil, 18 mil, in mils. Now, when you look at the the disposable, it says 2%. So, obviously, people of all ages are looking at this going, oh, Jesus, great, this is only 2%, it's nothing. But 2% equals 20 mils, which is the highest amount anybody's allowed to sell legally in this country each of them is at minimum 20 cigarettes a pop now when I'm in a classroom and I gave it to them between the eyes the other day I can tell you I got such a fright at the amount of them at it and the lack of knowledge around this is just harrowing so I went to this other vape shop and spoke to this lovely lady who said to me um, I'm a- she said herself I'm actually terrified what's coming down the line these kids and adults alike, but really let's protect, let's try and protect our kids because we're failing them now. They're buying these things thinking that they're 2%, understanding that that's very little, mm. not realising each one of them is 20 cigarettes a pop, and they have them in their mouths half the day. So each vape is like smoking 26? Yeah. Wow. These, these are now the 2% ones. Right. Now the other problem with these, which I think people don't maybe understand, is there's a sweetness in these because seemingly they use a cotton thread through them. So the sweetness, you will never get the same level of sweetness in an oil that you buy. So they're equally, I would say, equally in measure addicted to the nicotine and the sweetness. They sound to me, Eileen, to be something like the the vaping equivalent of alcohol pops. And and way worse because what they're doing to their lungs, nobody knows. But I have spoken to people who have genuinely, and people like in the health uh, system, who would say they are petrified. But PJ, for the love of God, what are we doing about it? Yeah. I mean, seemingly they're thinking are in the process of bringing in a law to make it over 18. What's that going to solve? Nothing. Mm. Nothing. I mean, there's no education. I've walked in and spoken to hundreds of young people. I see them in my rooms inside. And the lack of knowledge around this. And to parents, to be fair, I've been shouting from the rooftops. 
parents don't understand to be fair to them either. Mm. Like there's no education. And as I said to the kids the other day, I said, no one gives a toss about your health because there's too much money to be made here. And that's a fact. And that's a very sad thing to have to say about whoever's running this in our country because it's just wrong on every level. Mm. I mean, cigarettes, I don't know what the statistics are. I haven't looked them up lately, but the statistics of kids smoking at 14 and 15, we're told they're down. But if they're replacing it with this stuff... There's no, there's no if, PJ. They are Every replacing school in the country nearly has a vaping alarm in their toilet. What's that telling us now? This problem is not new. Mm. And yet, we are still allowing small little kids. I have heard of down to fourth and fifth class in primary school kids vaping because of the addiction. So if a kid even picks it up at home and oh. takes a few pulls, I can guarantee you they'll be back for more. And because the sweetness is so dangerous. If a, if a youngster goes into a corner shop, well, I'm, I'm assuming it's a, a law-abiding corner shop, and looks for a packet of cigarettes, they won't get them. No, I'm sure if they want them badly enough, they'll find someone. I know, someone but I'm, I'm just saying, if, if, yeah, if, yeah, if, yeah, if no the corner enough. shop is law-abiding, yeah. they won't get them. But they can wander in and get a vape. Well, so the over-18 thing might help. There, uh, it might, but really, it's like everything else, isn't it? They need education. Yes. They need to understand what they're actually doing. People mm. cannot be allowed to sell these disposables of 2%, which I feel is hoodwinking the whole blooming lot of them. It's savage money. That mm. Every second child you see has a vape or is hiding a vape, and they think it's absolutely normal That's and no the problem. Thing. They think it's harmless because they're not smoking. They think it's harmless. But why, like, to be fair to the kids, who's telling them otherwise? Yeah. I just can't, I swear to God now, and I'm trying to hold myself back. I cannot understand how this is going on for so long and there is nothing being done about it. What do you nothing think should that be done, Ellie? Well, first of all, we need to rampage the schools and young people with education. Pictures scare the living daylights out of them because if we don't, nothing's going to change. Mm. They have to come down like a ton of bricks on the vape stores of who's buying them. Mm. And maybe there should be, you know, a bit of education around to the people in the vape shops. To parents have to be educated. It should be plastered all over the place and on the papers and on the radios, mm. because that's the only place things can change is if we're educated. Like mm. I've openly said to a parent, if it was me, I know I don't say this lightly now, but say your kid is, is vaping at two percent, so they are used to a twenty mils of nicotine on their vape, which is a massive addiction. It's a huge amount. There is no point in any parent saying, give up your vape now, forget about it or whatever. They're addicted. They are, yeah. In my opinion, they're more addicted than cigarettes ever were because they can vape everywhere. At yeah. least with a cigarette, you've got to plan it, you have to go outside, but you have to watch the smell. If, if, if I remember talking to people over the years, as I said, Eileen, you're talking to someone who never smoked and at this point in my life probably w- would never know, wouldn't know how to light one. That's yeah. the truth. If you gave me a match and a cigarette, I actually would not do it. But I've been told by many, many people it is the hardest thing to quit. That it's actually, someone said to me one time, it's actually harder to quit the fags than it is to quit heroin. Well, I have smoked. And to be honest, I did pop a vapor too. And I would honestly say, I think the vaping is nearly harder. Is it? Because it's, you could, and what I've noticed even with peer, my peers and, you know, all ages, is this thing is in your hand all the time. Mm. There's no putting it down. 
And the kids are the same. They're up and down the streets. They're hanging out, you know, all ages. Mm. But oh, they're wearing them. I see them on the bus. I see them on the bus. They have it on their around their neck on a lanyard with their phone kind of thing. But these kids are an age group, PJ, that haven't even fully developed. Yeah. I mean, how in God's name has our Department of Health and Education allowed this happen? Because we will be paying a price. There is no question about it. Yeah. We will be paying a price 10, 15 years down the road. May God help us what's coming. But I just wanted to say today to parents, oh yeah, that's what I was going to say. So if your kid is vaping away on their 2%, please be understanding that they are. it is an addiction and they are addicted. Yes. They cannot just, boom. I would suggest, and I don't like suggesting it, even buying a zero vape with a sweetener, at least it is a way to ease them off. They can still be out with their friends or whatever, but at least they're trying to, they're stopping the nicotine. And then the next step might be stop the sweetness. But it's not something that any of them will find easy to actually go cold cold turkey on. Yeah. The, the, The American Lung Association warns, and we talk about the flavored ones, warns of a thing called popcorn lung. Now, I don't know what popcorn lung is, but it doesn't sound like fun. Look, nobody knows. There is nothing good about them. We do know that. They are highly, highly, highly addictive. We do know that. Mm. And yet we are allowing our youngsters buy them, vape them, and get addicted to them. And there is nothing right about that. All right. Eileen, thank you very much. Eileen Keane of jumpstartyourconfidence.com. Not putting a tooth in it. We got a problem with these things. I remember when I was a youngster, I remember going into a class in Skullcree Street. It was only a, a boy. We had prefabs in the centre of the yard, if you'd remember. And the fourth classes were in there. You're show, I'm showing my age now, but I don't care. The fourth classes were in there. Mr. Coakley and Mr. Nolan did fourth class. And I remember, what would you be in fourth class? Nine, maybe ten. And I remember Mr. Coakley, Tony Coakley, I think was his name. Uh, he came in one morning and back then the teachers could smoke in the class if they wanted to like that was but he came in and he lit a cigarette and he took a big long draw out of it and he said now lads he said he took out a white linen handkerchief I'll never forget this to the day I die he took out a white linen handkerchief and he blew the smoke out through it and it left this dirty green greenish, brownish, yellowish stain on the clean white handkerchief they thought, I'm not smoking The lines are live And we're ready to talk Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96 Email opinion at 96fm.ie The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan On Cork's 96FM Take you back to a tweet from Carla Weather from Alan The weather models continue to show an increased chance of higher pressure for the start of December and a little cooler too. There were some interesting charts appearing which increase our chances of cold weather from the east, but they're a long way off still. Now the cold weather is coming in from the east towards the middle and back end of this week. The second half of this week and next weekend will be very cold. That would be today's 12 days on from that tweet. Carla Weather had that tweet up on the 23rd of November. So two weeks out, he called it. 
He said, okay, it's a long way off. I'm not going to come down on it. But he spotted it. This guy's the best in the business. Alan O'Reilly, Carlo Weather calls it again. We got some really cold weather coming uh, this week and into next weekend. Very welcome, as far as I'm concerned. I love it. Love that dry cold weather. But good man, Alan. Another good call from Carlo Weather on Twitter. 0818 96 96 96 is the number. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Your chance this hour to win with the Everyman Cinderella and dinner for two families. We've got this every day this week. Really big week for us with the panto here at the Opinion Line. So I'll give you more deets on that and we'll tell you how to win because you see if I tell you now you'll be texting or whatsapping or ringing or whatever you want to do now. I'll tell you, I'll only tell you how to win when we're actually going to give you a chance to win. I know, I know. It's, it's Monday. You'll be used to it by tomorrow so I only get one day's phone out of it. On vaping, is it the whole bottle is equal to 20 cigarettes? It's the disposables, these disposable ones, they're equal to 20 cigarettes. Yeah. Anna says, I'd love to see the lungs of these teenagers in 10 years. The sad thing is a lot of them are also very healthy these days and they love the gym. God love them. They have no idea of the harm they're doing and that is from Anna. 0818 96 96 96. Now I'll take you back a little bit to the month of August. I wasn't long back from my holidays. I think it was just back from my holidays and I went to see the Walshes in Ballincollig. We'd had a message from Sandra who said, my dad is in a terrible situation. He has advanced dementia, is non-verbal and has poor mobility. Aside from this, he's healthy, fully engaged in family life. Mum and I care for him full time and we want to continue doing so. We used to have two carers calling three times daily, seven days a week. But now we've nothing and we're finding it very physically difficult. We lost our service entirely a month ago. We're physically and mentally exhausted. I've gone to politicians and appealed to the HSE to no avail. It doesn't appear to be a priority with anybody. We now have no option but to go public. I went to meet the family. I spoke to Sandra, Sandra and her mom, her dad. Well, her dad doesn't speak uh, at the mo- anymore, uh, but he knew exactly what was going on in the room and I marked it. He, his eyes were moving and he was watching us and he knew exactly what, what we were saying. And I said to him when I was leaving, I said, I will do my best to get this out there for you. Let me cast your mind back to that interview which I did in the family home in Ballincollig in August. This is Sandra telling me about just the operation of getting her dad off his commode chair and into his wheelchair. And remember, this is just one moment in their day. So I can actually say to dad, we'll do a standing up. Now I may have to say to him, once, I may have to say to him, ten times. Mm. Depends on the individual day. So I'm able to assist him to sit forward and just a gentle tug of the arms and he will actually stand straight and strong for me. That way mum is able to pull up his trousers, take away the commode and just drive his electric chair in and he will then sit down on it with me. Now, there are days when he's poor enough at that and you're going, oh my God, I'm on my own holding him. He's at risk of a fall. Oh dear, mom, mom, hurry up with the chair. Yeah. But there are other days when 
I practically don't even need to hold them. Yeah. But the thing but you is, you don't know until you try. It's inconsistent. Yeah. There is no foreseeability in it. I can't tell by looking at him. Yeah. What way he's going to react? Yeah. Because of that, it is very, very dangerous for me to be doing this on my own. Yeah. Because when the carers were here, the two of them would assist him in standing and either mom or I would be there to drive his chair into place. We never left one of them hold him on their own for his safety and their safety. And stressing, that's just one task in dad's day, Sandra. Now, you had nothing when I called to see you in August. What do you have now? Good morning again. Good morning, PJ. Well, before I tell you what we have now, Dad's ability to actually stand and be assisted is gone. Oh. So it's now a hoist transfer from okay. bed to commode, commode to chair. So it's a physically, it's a whole pile more difficult and requires a whole different level of observation of that. So um, when I spoke to you, we had been without our service for a couple of weeks and Early in September, because I had been ringing around agencies at least once every week, I sourced an agency who were able to do Monday to Friday mornings only. Mm-hmm. That was fantastic because I can't recall if I mentioned it at the time, but my intention was to go back to UCC yes. to do a master's. Yes. And I am now enrolled on that program and the course commenced on the 12th of September. Now, it's a program with a huge burden um, of work with reading, assignments. It's actually almost equivalent to a PhD being done in one year because I only made out recently there's approximately forty to 45,000 um, worth of words worth of assignments to be completed. <laughs> yeah, and uh, your average PhD is about 40,000 words. So it, it's big. It's it's endorsed by a European framework, this particular one. It's big stuff. Um, but that's fine. That's a decision I made. Um, unfortunately, last Thursday, the we were informed by the agency who took on the contract for the HSE in September that they're leaving this coming Friday. Let me just stress yeah. again, Sandra, there is no issue with funding here. Anything that you can get is covered. It's just you can't get it. Is that the it? The HSE is almost like a bottomless tank of money at the moment. But there is an absolute unbelievable crisis in the home support sector. There are insufficient staff. Staff leave because conditions are very poor in their working. Like what they are earning versus what an agency is being paid by the HSE is pigs. In addition, some agencies will pay mileage for them to go from one client to another, which could be going from Carrigaline to Balancolic and back again. Yes. Other agencies won't pay it. Their work is insecure. They're usually paid based on hours they work as opposed to HSC staff, if they're employed directly, tend to have proper contracts of employment with holiday, pension entitlements, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The HSC 10 or 15 years ago 
knew that we were going to have an aging population. There was a move nationally by the HSE to try and keep people in their own homes, living as independently as possible for as long as possible with or without family support. Mm. And, and, and I should um, jump in again, Sandra, and say that I had the opportunity to meet mm-hmm. yourself and your parents in, in August and I, I wa- walked around the house with you. You've done everything humanly possible to keep him at home. We absolutely have. Like I could say to our financial detriment and our the detriment of our sanity trying to come up with the ideas, but we did it because we want to do it. We didn't do it just because somebody suggested it or just because Ayrshire there might be funding available for this so we'll put in for it and get it. No, we did it because we want to and we want to have dad at home. You love your dad and you want and he I don't yeah. Look, no disrespect to any other family out there, but I actually don't think there's a man that's more loved and adored yeah. on the planet. Yeah, I saw it. I saw like, it. Like, people should know something. There's a lift in the house, for goodness sake. There's a lift from the front room to the bedroom. There is. You drive his wheelchair into the lift, and before you know it, the man is upstairs sleeping in his bedroom with access to the bathroom that he has had all his life do it in reverse in the mornings, he's back downstairs living a normal life, a normal existence, as one would in any two-storey house. But you can't get the help. The funding is there, but you can't get the help. So are you back to zero? You had five calls a week, I think. Are you back to zero again now? Well, we have one carer who's coming in the evenings who acts as my double, or I act as her double, whichever way around you want to put it. So at least I have her Monday to Friday evenings, but it's still a time commitment on my part. But outside of that, from Friday, we're going to be back to nothing. So nothing at all at the weekends, nothing at all the weekday mornings. And it's creating a very difficult situation because when you're doing the physical washing, dressing, hoisting in and out of bed, etc., it puts a physical and mental strain on the carers. Mum and I are theoretically not trained to do it. Now, I have received training from our occupational therapist because otherwise I couldn't manage the hoist and his electric chair and his bed and all the rest of it. And I couldn't turn him to have him dressed in the bed or anything. So I asked for that and I got it. But What it does is it takes so much time and it takes so much energy that you don't have enough resources left in yourself to do the other things you should be doing in life and also to do the fun things with dad. I know. Like I'm, I'm on about, it takes time out of cooking. It takes time out of cleaning. It takes time out of me studying. And we use like take dad out on a regular basis. We do it less and less. The more we have to put time into the physical things in the morning and yeah. the evenings. You explained to me during my visit that just when he wakes up and he and he has his breakfast, so he wakes up and he eats normally, except he has to be fed. But mm-hmm. to get him downstairs with everything done that needs to be done before he can get into the lift and come downstairs. So from nine o'clock, it could be midday. It could be, easily. Right. Because it takes an hour, give or take, to feed him, possibly a little bit more, because the, the more sleepy he is, and the more and the slower he is to wake up, the slower it is to feed him. 
then depending on how much washing and dressing is involved in him in an individual morning, there's another time commitment there. But the biggest time commitment is actually in the turning him in the base to get the slings onto him and hoisting him from the base to the commode and then from the commode back onto the base to pull up his trousers and from the base back onto his wheelchair. That's actually where the greatest deal of time is lost in mom and I getting dad ready. Like in those transfers, you're probably talking about 30 minutes in total. Yeah. And then there's plus the washing in the bathroom and dressing him. Now, he has great fun being washed because I've set out a kind of a, a makeshift shower for him. And he helps me in the process. And it's quite normal because he's sitting down in his commode shower chair. And we have splish, splash, taking a bath. And we have this scrub-a-dub-dub, the smelly <laughs> belly and all these things. We, we have great fun. And he's a I demon. Mean, like, He's a he demon. A like, I remember demon. Spending, spending an hour with you, like, and his eyes are as alive. Alive. They're sometimes they open up so wide, I think he's going to eat me with them. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, you can, you, and you're, you, you and your mom, you're so strong, but like, this is, this is crippling. And the thing is, like you said, there's plenty of money, plenty of money, but nothing to spend it on. Nothing to spend it on. Let me no. bring in and someone who's been helping you here, Sandra. Let, yes. me, let me bring in Deputy Colum Bork because Colum, I know that after our original conversation with Sandra uh, in in the summertime, you you got in touch and said you do what you can. Yes. This is awful. No shortage of money, but nobody to do the work. Morning. Yeah. Good morning, um, PJ. I mean, it is a major problem. And remember now in the HSC, you can go back over, say, two years ago, you had over 1,800 people in the Cork Area region providing home care. Um, about 12, 13 months ago, we lost over 400 people out of that 1,800. And the HSC have been trying to recruit since. And, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, they, they are having difficulty. Likewise, with the private um, companies, they're having huge difficulty in getting people as well. And, you know, I know people will do the comparison of what the private companies are getting um, per hour. But in real terms, the private companies have to cover the cost of administration, insurance, all of that as well, which has to be built into the expense in dealing with it. Now, they know that they have to pay, um, you know, the going rate in order to hold staff now. And I suppose one of the other things that the government has just did last week is because we have a shortage of home care workers right across the entire country. We've now agreed to issue up to a thousand permits for people to come in from outside of the European countries um, to provide home care specifically aimed at people in the home care industry. And that's basically what we're having to do. Yeah, like trying to get someone to help Sandra and, and her mom. Um, to get that around, like it's uh, you, you, Sandra. You, you're saying to me here, I think very clearly, this masters that you worked so hard to get onto, you may not be able to do it because you have to mind dad. Well, come January, that's a reality. I may be pulling out of the course. Um, I have classes slash workshops three mornings a week at the moment. I'm in a situation where. I will have to choose if we don't have home support in place, whether to continue with the course or look after dad. If I continue with the course, dad stays in bed. If I look after dad, I can't do my classes. That's an impossible situation. And it's 
a decision that nobody, not just me alone, but nobody should ever have to face. And I know if dad were in his full mind and aware of this, it would kill him. So it's something we are not going to be discussing yeah. in his presence. Yeah. Can I just say there, PJ, the, the problem is not only in relation to home care, for instance, we appear to have a particular problem in Balancholic because I have a number of families, even though Balancholic is not my constituency, but people have been on to me. But we've also nursing home facilities. For instance, I was talking to one nursing home. They have 14 beds that they couldn't actually physically fill because, not because they couldn't get the people who wanted respite care or who wanted full-time care. It's just because of the fact that they could not get staff. So they had 14 beds actually physically idle because they yeah. could not get staff. So it's a huge challenge now within the... So, so how do we <coughs> solve it? Well, I mean, your party is in government. <coughs> the problem well, is there. How do we solve it? Well, the problem is the, I suppose, the problem is because we have full employment and there's, um, I suppose, very attractive jobs out there. And remember, in relation to home care or nursing home care, it is a very demanding task on, on anyone who takes on that job. It's a huge commitment and people do put in, you know, a huge effort in in providing the best quality care. And it's it's something that people, I suppose, won't stay at forever. You can do it for a period of time, but not forever. And I think what we've got to do now is we've got to look at mechanisms for making it attractive. We've also got to work around timing because, you know, say, for instance, you have someone who's a young family, they need to get them out to school, um, they need to be able to pick, uh, collect them. It's just building around, can we do hours which can build around that? Say, for instance, if we have someone who's at home has young children going to school, how can we be more flexible as regards the times we offer? Yeah. And also the whole issue is about cost of travel as well. Yeah. That, you know, it's always a problem, but it's mo- no, a far bigger problem because of the cost of... of um, of cars and the cost of, of uh, that's, that's all that's use. all policy column and and with all due respect that's not going to keep sandra in college no it's not and i mean uh, we've had you know i i've dealt with it directly since my own mother-in-law now who's 98 you know she was in full-time she was at home for over 15 years even though she was confined to a wheelchair living her own and we had home care for her and she decided there about four months ago to go into nursing home care so you know she got 15 years at home living on her own and was quite happy to do so and that's what she wanted to do and it's a big challenge now to try and fulfill the need and remember as well PJ the challenge over the next eight years and this is where we really have to be um, proactive in this over the next um, eight years the number of people reaching retirement age is going to increase dramatically it's going from you know we have 760,000 at the moment within the next eight years it's going to be a million this this is going to get this is going to get an awful lot worse but Sandra you know what's something that I'm thinking of I remember sitting there with your dad and your mum and he was only sitting five feet away from me and I remember turning around at the end of it and I knew he was completely aware of of me being in the room and the conversation, and I saw. I he said, to, I said to him, and something, something struck me, Sandra. And I'm going to say it here. I said to him, "I'll do what I can," and I saw his eyes fill up with tears. Yes, they did, and they did, and we out, see that him, on a regular basis. If negative stuff goes on around him, would break his heart to move out. Break his heart. I think he'd be dead within weeks, and that's quite 
blunt, but I think it's a reality because and like dad had to go into hospital for a very minor procedure there back in September. It was a planned procedure. And I had to stay with him 24-7. And if I even stepped out of the room to go down to the cafeteria, mm-hmm. when I came back, you'd think I had abandoned him for six years. Yeah. yeah. Because the relief on his face to see us. Um, PJ, might I bring up... Go ahead, Sandra, go ahead. I might I bring up one point there that um, Deputy Burke has made. He said that they have issued a thousand, uh, or granted permission anyway, for the issuing of a thousand work visas. There's a very serious associated problem with this. Let's say they get those thousand people. They're all brought into the country. They're suitably trained, qualified, guard, vetted, etc. Where are they going to live? Because I've had this from agencies that Yes. There are occasions when they could get staff, but there is nowhere for them to live and they can't afford it on well, the salary. Actually, Sandra, well, you've anticipated where I was going to go because I talked to Janet Woodward last week, Colm, from Douglas Nursing Doug Home. Nursing Home. And, and, yes, I and, heard and it. They've nowhere for their staff. Yeah, but one of the, the issues, that, for instance, if you look at what they did in Israel, which was an interesting one, they had a, the same problem about four or five years ago where they couldn't get people to provide home care. So they offered over 5,000 visas for people to physically move in to people's houses. So in other words, their full-time care uh, 24-7, they, they get the accommodation and they get a visa to be in Israel for a period of five years. And we need to look at that as well about people yeah. actually you know, providing full-time care in people's homes. But, and that's something that we have to look at as well. All right, right now, this is that doesn't work in every situation, though. Well, like that, we wouldn't have the, the we wouldn't have the space for that in our house. We we have to look at all possibilities yeah. at this stage. Yeah. Like we have a problem in that we have the numbers of people who are offering to get into this type of employment has reduced. It is a growing uh, challenge in the sense that the number of people who are require care is continuing to increase. And remember, the, the, we have the greatest number of hours at the moment being offered in relation to home care, and we have, you know, everything possible oh, is being done. All the, all, the, all the hours in the world are great, Colm. There's, yep. there's no one to do them. That's the thing. Yeah, but, but in fairness, there is, like, there is a, you know, in fairness, there is a, lo- a lot of people working in the home care area, right. and the HSE in South South West have recruited uh, quite a number of new people over the last 12 months, but and they have done three rounds of advertising yeah. looking for applicants and we had a meeting with the HSE in the South West on um, on Friday evening went on from 2 o'clock to, three, uh, to, to 5 o'clock going through each of the issues and each of the challenges that we have so we need to continue to come up with new ideas yeah. and we need to continue to amend the you know, policy in order to, to, to deliver the number of people that will provide the care Do you know what I'm thinking though Colin? Sorry PJ Go ahead Sandra Go ahead yeah, just on that very point, like I'm speaking to the Home Support Office and the HSC on at least a once weekly basis. And I have addressed the issue of recruitment from them. And the answers I am getting back are they are having very, very poor responses yeah. to their um, recruitment drives. And when they do get responses, often by the time those people are brought on board, they have found jobs elsewhere because the training and the vetting process is so arduous and takes so long. Now, I'm going to be the first person to hold up my hand and say, well, there are things that have to be done. Mm. But you can't be waiting six months from the time you no, apply know, for but a job. But in fairness, on the training side, the training side, you have to go through the process on the training side. Yeah. Um, it's, it's yes. you know, because in fairness, 
it is a very um, you know complex area. It's a, there's a there's a whole issue in relation to handle, manual handling and management of patients, and it's important that people are adequately trained. Tim Taylor, I think she knows that color. Do you know where we're at now? Is it? I, I just need. To, I'm, I'm running, getting conscious of time, but what I do need to, to to wonder here is, I'll be in 20 days' time. I'll be sitting down maybe this time, maybe slightly earlier with my family having my Christmas morning breakfast and I'll be thinking in my back of my mind of Sandra and her mum and dad and wondering how their Christmas day is going. This is an emergency column. But, but PJ, the emergency can only respond, be responded to by having a, an increased number of people applying for these jobs. We, we have full employment there's jobs out there that people are more attracted to and whatever mm. money you put in there, it is something that someone want, want to be, you know, really committed to and be sure that they have the skills to deliver the care yeah. that's required. Okay. It is a challenge and it's not going to change, but we need to look at about flexible hours and working with people to accommodate their requirements as well. And I think it's something that, you know, will be dealt with over because the demand is there. The question is, how can we fill it and what time, kind of time period uh, can it happen? And this is not just in Ireland, as I said, I quoted the one in relation to Israel. Oh, it's no, happening right around it, the world. It's an international it, problem. It and we a... also have, remember, we also have the same problem in relation to, in relation to our uh, hospitals, in relation to nursing staff, in relation yeah. to care assistance. There is, you, you know, you're in a world market, you're competing oh, yeah. in the world market. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and again, it's not for the people... want to be here. It's not for the want of, of funding. I'm just wrapping it because of the, the, the question of time, um, Colin, but thank you. Sorry, PJ, yes. before you wrap it, Go can ahead. I say that there is an issue with the agencies as well, though, because the HSC seems to have very little control over what they do. They each come in with their own agendas. They walk out the door when they basically feel like it. And something has to be done with the contracts that the HSC are giving the agencies as well. All right. All right. Listen, I wish you and your mom and dad all the best, Sandra, and keep in touch with us. All right. Thank you very much, PJ. I really appreciate it. And listen, I hope to goodness you don't have to quit that course. Because I, you, you, were, you were taught me how hard it's you not work. looking good at the I moment. I know it's not. It's I know not it's not. Good. You take care of yourself. Thank you very much. And my best to mum and dad. That's Sandra Walsh and Valencolic. And no disrespect to, to Colin Bork because he has, and in fairness, Sandra repeatedly says in all the notes, long, long pages of notes, she sends me that Colin has been doing his absolute best. But it's just brick walls, brick walls, brick walls, brick walls, brick walls. And as he said, a recruitment emergency. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Oh. The Big Drive Home, weekdays from four. On Cork's 96FM. Whether you're working out, chilling out, or clocking out, make sure you're with me every evening on The Big Drive Home, where it's good vibes only. Finish work early, looking over to miserable weather, and you're just after making it look like now it's a really hot day in Ibiza. Hooking you up with the biggest songs and the best prizes. I've got your evenings in Cork sorted. No better feeling. I'll catch you every weekday from four. The Big Drive Home. With Kevin O'Leary, Silver Springs. The new home for Suzuki in Cork. Hybrid has never been so affordable. Call now to ensure January delivery. Cork's 96 FM. We're just talking here about me and, and the cashless society and where we're going in the cashless society and I've been you know, making the point here repeatedly that I have absolutely no issue with cashless. I do it all the time myself. 
I use my phone and I use my cards and I have no problem with it at all. But I also like to be able to spend cash when I want to spend cash and I don't like this idea that any place can just go cashless and and tell what you like. I, I don't like that idea. But Elio Bourne's been writing in Tripe and Drasheen about the possibility of a cashless Christmas and the effect that might have on charities, on service industry, on buskers, for example, who work really hard at Christmas. You've been looking into it. Morning, Ellie. Good morning, PJ. How are you doing? Good. Do you like our increasingly cashless world? Um, uh, me, personally, I don't. I just want to clarify something, though, uh, uh, because that article was actually written by a 16-year-old. It was written by our first transition year student oh, work experience placement. So, I mean, you'd be... This uh, kid can a, write, Ellie. I'm serious. He is amazing. Yeah, so that's the first time on Tripe and Rasheen that we've had someone do transition year work experience. What's and Fionn Lixon-Doyle is his name. And he goes to uh, Kinsey sale community school and he came and did his work placement with us so he wrote that article himself he can and write. it was his own idea so the only reason why he's not on with you this morning is of course of course he's back in school and i was okay. his editor so i'm going okay. on instead of fantastic it. so t- tell me about yeah. the things he found then so we went out and, and we actually walked around. I really wanted him to do kind of like on the ground reporting, getting out, talking to people. So the first thing we did was we thought of buskers. And, uh, you know, because, of course, when you go fully cashless, there are lots of little small transactions or gifts or, you know, I frequently would be giving my daughter 250 for the bus into her hand, you know, with a, maybe a little bit left over on that. And, you know, those types of things. And they, that can have a really big impact depending on people's lives. So buskers, definitely one group there where Christmas, you know, for this month, there's a lot more buskers because they know that the town is going to be busier and they might be relying on that little bit of extra income themselves for their own Christmas shopping and their own, you know, little Christmas treat or whatever. So we went around and we interviewed a couple of buskers. So we spoke to uh, Yossi Waldman, who is somebody people will have seen on the streets of Cork for years and years. Mm. And, uh, And he said, yeah, people come up and they say, oh, your playing is great but we can't give you anything because I'm not carrying any cash on me. Mm. And so we spoke to a lot of buskers and they all said that. Uh, and and similarly then, uh, you know, Fionn himself had the fantastic idea to talk to someone in Simon community mm-hmm. because, again, this time of year, you know, people there's a lot of people out shaking boxes for different charities. And, of course, we have the fantastic tradition of the share crib and everything, uh, you know, c- coming down the road and, and share are going to be doing that. But uh, it is having an impact uh, on those things, you know. Mm. So I think I just think that's interesting. I'd love to I know. I know share had tapping pads on their collector boxes on some of them last year. Yes, because they've they've had to, because they've had to get creative because, you know, the direct cash thing. Now, you know, uh, when Fionn interviewed the um, uh, Mark from the Simon community, he said that actually a lot of charities now are relying more heavily on these kind of monthly donations that come directly from your bank account and that type of stuff. Mm. Uh, But nevertheless, you know, uh, Christmas time, it always would have been a big part of uh, you know, you go in town, you do your Christmas shopping and then you kind of 
spread the spread the joy a little bit yes. you know give something to a busker give something to uh somebody with a collection box yeah. and that type of thing yeah you know? yeah you go into a shop and lunch comes to what look you buy a cafe lunch comes to 14.95 you know and you, you you give them you give them a 20 and say here hold on to it it's christmas that's that's what you that's do. That's quite a generous tip, <laughs> but I would, to be time, honest. Yeah. If I if I was buying yeah. lunch Christmas week, and I was, I would, yeah, I would, yeah. You know, well, of course. I mean, we have that. We have the Payment of Wages Act that that came into effect. Yeah. Uh, this that's coming into effect this week. That means that employers uh, do have to pass on. Uh, electronic tips in yes. the same way that they would cash tips. Yeah. And that's kind of good because there's been concerns for a while. You know, you'll see service charge yeah. on the, on your actual bill included in your, your bill. And mm. if you're paying by card, you've no idea if that's yeah. going to the staff or not, yeah. you know. Your wonderful young writer also spoke to, to Claire Nash, though, from Nash 19, and she was saying that there's a bit more cash going around now than there was and that's very interesting. So there is a little bit of a rise in people in people going back to cash after COVID. So the central bank uh, reported that ATM withdrawals, which I suppose is a good way of telling, you know, who's carrying currency around with them, um, said ATM withdrawals actually halved after January 2020. Wow. So COVID and people spending online and not being out and about on the streets. And then I don't know if you remember that really strange time where uh, people were saying, is 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 the virus carried on banknotes? Oh, I know. And the World a, Health Organization screaming from the rooftops, no, it's not! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that that one did the rounds for sure and was given a little bit too much credence. Uh so but actually um so it the the amount of cash in circulation has risen a little bit, but it's only reached two thirds of pre-covid levels. Yeah. So what Claire Nash was telling us was that you know obviously she has Nash 19 and she's also a member of Cork Business Association, very busy restaurant she has there and and what she reported was that this year she is seeing an increase again. She is. She said that she she said that she had to go back to the bank, rush into the bank on a Friday before close of business there um, last week to go and get change so that she had tender for her tills. And she said she hasn't seen that since before COVID. Yeah. So that kind of would suggest that people are carrying a bit more cash. And she made the point that cash tips are still very welcome. Yes. You know, if you're when you're tipping and she's obviously clearly she's talking about for her staff there and you know, um uh Fionn actually did speak to um uh somebody in, in Soma Cafe as well who also kind of confirmed these things. Um but yeah, I think that maybe I don't know if listeners would be interested in just, you know, taking out a twenty, breaking it and having a few coins on them yeah. as they go about their Christmas shopping. I think that I I think I would like to see people do that, Ellie, because I always carry just a, it's just a few bob. You know, because I like cash. I, I, I personally would like a balance. Some people would like a fully cashless, other people are totally opposed to any form of cashless trading and only carry cash. Um somewhere in between I think is a happy medium. What would you think yourself? Well, you know, the thing is, is that when you have a busy life, it is very convenient. You're oh, just tapping and tapping away. But, um, you know, Claire also, you know, we didn't put that in the article, but made the point that 
people get nervous of just tapping and tapping. It feels harder to keep a little bit of a handle on your spend. Um, Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning with the fear and looked on your phone and go, oh my God. (laughs) No, I mean, I wouldn't, uh, to be honest, if I'm going out now, like I would go for cash all the way and I'd be like, here's what I have in my pocket. (laughs) And after that, I'm going home because I'm not going to get myself into that. Yeah, I know, I know. God, no, it it can can happen. Ellie, great. Listen, what did you say this lad's surname is again? John? So he's got a do- double barrel surname because uh, his mother is German. So his name is Fionn Lichten Doyle. Lichten and he's Doyle. going to Kinsale Community College. I really hope that we're going to have him back to write more pieces. I was blown away. This yes. is the first time on Tripod Machine that we've had someone do work experience. 16 years of age. We, we, 16 years of age and he did it was his own idea to write this piece he had a little bit of help and I came around with him when he did his interviews but a phenomenal young writer Brilliant. and we're going we're really to see we're going to see a lot more that. of Fionn Lichten now I know that um, we can get great writing and local journalism if we help to support Tripend Machine, which I think people should do, it's less than one fifty a week paying up front and it's sporting work like yours and JJ and Fionn and others. Great articles coming out every week and Ellie, good to have you on the programme today. Lovely talking to you, PJ. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah. Uh, Tripend Machine work. Look, great local journalism, pure cork as it were. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Just on money, uh, Finbar says the cost of going to the GAA match, uh, going to a GAA match was 15 euro. You don't say which one. At Parky Ring. It's too expensive for many people. Before COVID, you could get in, have coffee and get a programme for a tenner before COVID. Why are the GAA charging so much for pensioners? Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 396 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. Okay, uh, line, you said four, did you? Right. Seamus. How are you doing, PJ? Seamus Ronan in Rena in Ross Carberry. And where is uh, line one is Lorraine? Hi, Lorraine. Hello. The Cronins and the Ronins, because the Cronins are going. The Cronins from Passage and the Ronins from Rena Screen. I love the name of that place, Rena Screen. Is that the hill, Seamus, where you go up with? There's a garage on top of it. Uh, there's a cross on top of it. Yeah, yeah. Like for the hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Listen, you guys are both our winners today with the Panto at the Everyman. So not only are you each going with your families on the 29th of September at 7 o'clock, but before that, both of the families will head to the Met for a pre-show dinner. Seamus Ronan and Lorraine Cronin, thank you guys. 0818 96 96 96. We have this to do every day this week. Right, you've all heard of Selling Sunset. Uh, We kind of have an Irish version. Not exactly, but kind of. Starting tonight, it's called Selling Ireland's Dream Homes. Joanna Murphy. Good morning, PJ. How are you? We don't have a whole pile of time, Joanna, but no. this... Now, I've, I know that one of the places featured tonight, Ocean Breeze and Kinsale, but what's this show about? Okay, so I suppose it's really about just Ireland's dream homes. It's a bit of escapism, really. And I suppose there would be a few of them for sale in Ireland, and you could see last week um, I showcased Ocean Breeze in Kinsale. Gorgeous house overlooking the bay, five million. Big money, but you know, there's people there that are paying that kind of money for these places. 
yeah. in particular areas. And it's great for the Irish economy to see that people want to come in internationally to buy, and people from Ireland buying them as well. Yeah, The fantastic story about Ocean Breeze is it was just a perfectly ordinary family home. It's the conversion, is the stunner. It is. It was actually known as the Long Bungalow. Yeah. And they knocked it, rebuilt it, and it has um, a lift in it, which is gorgeous, I have to say. And even the balconies look like a deck of a ship when you're looking out over the um, Kinsale Harbour. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's a four-part series featuring some huge places and just it, it's it's about kind of how the other half live and if we make millions how we might live one day exactly like tonight now we're going to be in Cove which I'm really excited about and it's Martello Tower which I've since sold and the people are actually living there and I think tonight's going to be a bit action packed I'm not going to give any more away than that but I definitely get to showcase Cove which I'm thrilled about and it just actually gives people an idea how somebody could live in a tower like Martello Tower and what's even interesting about it is that I sold that tower 22 years ago to the previous owners when it was really? derelict. Yeah, and I remember I would have been, I'm the gay now, 26 years, I'd say, so I would have been about 27, maybe 26. And I remember to gain access into the tower, I had to climb up a ladder and bring the people with me <laughs> to show them the tower. And they, and they and bought it. They bought it, and they bought it for like 70,000 punts at the time. And um, then they renovated it and they did an amazing job. So when you see the property tonight, you'll see that how you could live there. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. And four parts. And your mum is involved as well. Yeah. And, you know, that was really special last week. So mum, um, of course, mum having no filter, she's brilliant. So she, <laughs> so she was on the show with me last week. And I think one of her comments was, I think there's um we're all chiefs in our family, very few <laughs> But anyway, but you know what? It was a special moment for me, and Mum has taught me everything I know today. Yeah. And I've been in auctioning now for 26 years, and I love it. And that's the one thing I did say in um, the show, is that I am on a journey with my buyers and sellers, and I love my job. I wake up every day, and I love going to work. And actually, yeah. when I'm talking to you here, I'm just about to go into a derelict house, in the lashing rain with my wellies on because I was a big field alongside it. So it's not all glamorous, I can tell you. All right, all right. Well, look, I know, I know you of old and I know your mum and I'm so looking forward to this show tonight because I want to see the houses on it. Joanna Murphy, Joanna Murphy Auctioneers in Cove and, of course, a daughter of the great Victoria Murphy from Kinsale who you, you'll know from that part of the world. Uh, thank you both. Or thank you, Joanna. And we'll watch you both on telly tonight on RTE2. It's called Selling Ireland's Dream Homes. How the other half live and how you might live. 0818 Torren's been messaging us during the course of the World Cup but I, I think, Torren, you really would prefer it wasn't on there. I think most people would prefer it wasn't on there but it is. Torren says, and we'll finish with this, if you have any thoughts of it, come back to me tomorrow. She says, players are just virtue signalling by not singing their anthem or by covering their mouths before kickoff. If they were really bothered by the World Cup being held in Qatar, they wouldn't have gone to play there. And that is Torren who gets our closing comment today. Program edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched today by Richard Vickery. We'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.